Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Maybe Next Year, a podcast back on track. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. And uh, the Bills beat the Saints. They went marching in. Um, they went right down. Uh oh, I can't hear Frank. Oh, you I can't? can't hear Frank either. Oh, oh now, I can. now I okay. can. At which, this point, which, we want to where, restart. Well, we restart that because yeah. I think we did intros yeah. and then I lost immediately after. I think I'm just going to leave this in. I basically said a bunch of dumb New Orleans things like the Bills marched in, they vomited all over Bourbon Street, and then ate a beignet and won 31 to 6. So, and I was going to turn to Scott for. Uh, his thoughts on the game, but also any other New Orleans tropes that he felt like offering. Um, the the Bills were a hurricane, not of alcohol, but of football excellence in this game against a very bad Saints team. Um, and I would say a very bad as currently constructed with its available people, because obviously the Saints are incredibly injured and would have been troubled to get through this season anyway, given obviously they've lost a Hall of Famer quarterback uh, coming into this year. This was going to be a difficult assignment for them, um, obviously without like both starting tackles and uh, starting quarterback and the all pro running back and key members of the defense. They were a shadow of themselves. And, um, you know, I saw the the word mercurial ap- applied to the bills in a in a uh, recap of the game, I believe the AP recap. I don't know okay. if that's what I would apply to the Bills. I would say they are perfectly capable of beating bad teams. Um, they are not assured to beat bad teams because God knows <laughs> they did that to Jacksonville a little while ago. But yeah. um, against the good teams, that's where they have the problems, which, to be fair, is also what you say of all the teams in the NFL. So maybe this isn't good analysis at all. But I particularly, like the, I, I would just say particularly the particularly the AFC is certainly not unblemished. Yes, um, everyone has, has kind of had their their faults. I think the the Bills, um, yeah, I mean, they took advantage of a, of a bad Saints team, um, one that did not have a lot of, I mean, I would say Marshawn Lattimore is a good player. Um, there are lots of good players on that defense, but they are certainly not playing well together and certainly do not, um, you know, the much kind of uh, the defensive line that was supposed to be kind of a strength of New Orleans really um, was kind of, Fairly neutralized, I would say, by the Bills' offensive line, even without um, Spencer Brown. Um, I think that was uh, that was pleasing to see that they had kind of uh, done enough to kind of get back uh, to their kind of way they had been playing. I was pleased with the run game being a little more um, kind of successful and going to Breida early on, though obviously they only apparently had like two plays for Matt Breida, right? Maybe three? It was yeah. like... Sweep to Brita and like draw to Brita. And then after that, it was just nothing, maybe like one inside zone. That was about uh, it. So, there, there was also screen to Brita, which did prove effective. Later yeah. yeah. But yeah, 100%. But, but maybe, maybe you, why would you do something else because it was effective? Well, it was effective for the first half. Yeah. And then the Saints kind of like, well, these are the only place he knows how to run right now. So let's just sit on those. And then that's how you end up with you know, nine for 26 on the ground for Matt Breida, which is obviously true. true. Not, not that, a great I, I think that was the point at which Devin Singletary suddenly like took over a drive because he had a really nice drive in the third quarter 
maybe that was ended up ended up with a monumental 15 for 44. Well, but they all 2. like point nine for carry. Yes, but like that one drive was excellent. He did a like you know in the context of the game, <laughs> you know he yeah. he had a couple of <clears throat> nice runs. Yes, I think they are still so. Yes, the running game has gone from dead on arrival to work in progress, <laughs> which is a step forward nonetheless, right? Yeah. Um, and then it also helps when Josh Allen runs for five yards of carry, as I kind of suspected there was. I feel like a general more, we should run Josh Allen just a hair more in this game to kind of keep New Orleans on their heels. Mm-hmm. Um, he also, obviously, you know, one interception, really bad. Not not a good interception. Did not, you know, guy was covered, should have seen it, should have gone to somebody else, didn't, didn't do a good decision. Other than that, played a pretty solid game overall, obviously super high completion percentage. Um, so it was nice to see him kind of, Again, I assume New Orleans was still doing some of the kind of the Tampa 2 cover kind of stuff and, they and, were. and had been learning some of the skills that the other teams have been trying to execute. Um, I'm not sure, again, that they had the horses to kind of execute it the way that, well, I guess, I mean, they've had more horses than Jacksonville because Jacksonville has no horses. So somehow they the, the Bills were able to still move the ball. I am not, I guess I would say, as glad as I am that they won and we were all worried that this is a game that they could have lost, although I believe I'm the only one who made a, regardless of how many people are injured, they're going to win this game pick. That's Just true. That is, get, that is correct. You get two points, I'll, yes. Although you, you also points. said either way, Scott, it was going to be 24 to 17. So I don't think anybody's going to give the Saints a bit too much credit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but I still think my courage, you know, fortune favors the bull. That's what I always say. Um, yeah. Anyway, the I would say... <laughs> You and Rudyard Kipling, is that right? <laughs> uh, I believe it's the SAS, actually. I think it's, oh, okay. I think it's or, or no, um, that's um, it's something similar. I forget what it is. I'll Google. I, it. I also think it says more about uh, what bold is that the bold pick of the three of us was a Bill seven point victory over a totally decimated Saints team. Yes, I think that says is. more about Frank and I than it does, you know, uh, uh, your your particular boldness. But I'm arguing minutia now. It's a translation of a Latin proverb which exists in several forms with slightly different wording but effectively identical meaning. Um, so this goes all the way back to Rome. Um, Pliny the Younger and Pliny the Elder, his el- un- uncle. So Absolutely. Right. And Rome, for those of you who don't know, made famous by a uh, B-52 song from the 1970s. Yeah, not a very good um, football team, though. They sort of... You know, always kind of right there with the Jets, the Rome. Um, you had mentioned, I'm going I'm to cut you off here, Scott. because Sure, we're, yes, we're, I'm mostly um, Josh Allen, 23 of 28. You mentioned the high completion percentage. You know, two of those interceptions, that gets you 25. Uh, so he had three incompletions otherwise, and I know at least two of them were thrown away. Yeah, he so, had no real incompletions. He had yeah. one drop, and then he had two that he threw out of bounds to get the hell away from pressure. Right. You know, and then, you know, we can quibble about the interceptions, about which ones are worse than others. I felt like at least with the bad interception, he was going to a good receiver. And I thought, oh, he, you know, you know, they, they showed it on replay and it looked like he just guessed wrong as to which side the guy was going to pop out on. Um, but, you know, certainly not a perfect game, but like, I think exactly what the doctor ordered in regards to how to play with the cover two shell, you know, get your, get the ball to your playmaker um, and you know, on these 9, 10, 11, 12 yard routes. We'll see if that is available against a better defense in New England. But Paul, I want to turn to you for thoughts on this game because we do have to keep the podcast moving. Um, 
31 to six. I never actually said the score. You know, they, they absolutely trounced. Um, it was it was, uh, you know, it was uh, it was a shutout until the fourth quarter. Uh, what were your thoughts on the on the Bills Saints game? Yeah, it was a, it was a whitewashing, as Scott noted. New Orleans did not have the horses. The Colts have the horses, literally, uh, that they are the Colts, and figuratively with Jonathan Taylor. But without Kamara, without Ingram, this was really kind of a shell of, and without a quarterback. I forgot to mention that. They were really without a capable quarterback. The Bills have seen Trevor Simeon Tre- before. Trevor Simeon doesn't count. Exactly. Right. Yeah. He, is, he is not a real quarterback. So it was this was kind of a foregone conclusion that the defense was going to at least be competent today. You know, I, I, if they'd scored more, if the, if the saints, no one in our picks last week, no matter the situation, picked the saints to score more than 17. So we kind of knew that that was the way this game was going to skew the defense. I don't believe they forced any turnovers, but they didn't really need to. They did force two uh, missed fourth downs, uh, on, on conversion attempts, and st- including stuffing a run, so that uh, defensively they did what was they. It, I'm sorry, was it two fourth downs and then the fake punt, or was the fake? I think punt- it was a. I think I was counting the fake punt as one. Okay. The incompletion there, yeah. and then there was the run they stopped going to the left. There may have been another. Uh, interception Jordan well. Poyer has an interception. That's right. That's Poyer right. had the interception after things had gotten out of hand. So. Yeah, one turnover in, in, in when the game had already been decided, but they did enough to keep the the Saints at bay. They keep did enough to keep the Saints from marching in to Bills territory to convert big plays. So inevitably, the defense did what we expected from them, despite the big loss, which I'm sure we will uh, address later in terms did of personnel. We, did something happen? Oh, yeah, no. something. I'll, I'll just keep uh, reading the, the the agenda here. I'm sure it'll come up. Yes. So that was the defensive side of the ball. Special teams, Marquez Stevenson makes his debut. Thought he acquitted himself well. He did have the muff, which was unfortunate, but, you know, generally did okay. Otherwise, it would be interesting to see if he or Isaiah gets back into the lineup uh, into the next game. Uh, This is, you know, a situation where I think they'd want McKenzie back in there. Was it a message to him last week, or was it a we're going to move in another direction sort of decision? So I guess we'll find that out in the coming games. Great kick coverage. We don't talk about that much, but that really, you know, the Saints just never really had decent field position in this game. Offensive side of the ball, Scott and Frank both hit some good points. The fact that Allen played, I think, really his best game. Yeah, the one interception, he made a bad decision, even regardless of which way he thought Diggs was going to turn, not a ball he should have thrown. The other one, the offensive line blew up on him. Otherwise, I thought he was dead on all game, and it was kind of the performance we we needed to to see after the the rough go of it against the Colts. So how will we do back in windy conditions this coming week? He does have that big arm, uh, as as they like to say, to throw through the wind. I think the running game statistics are. I, I'm more with Frank on the running game stats. I think they skew a false impression that the Bills' running game was ineffective in this game. The the few times Allen had draws or had to do something, he did well. Yeah, Brita got shut down at points. They had a couple of runs for losses that killed them. But you also threw, I know a screen pass is not a run, but that play by Brita uh, to get in the end zone on that just made me realize how valuable his addition is to the lineup. Singletary, as Frank noted, did have run plays that really helped to break through in the third quarter when the Bills most needed it after they had two chances to score within the last four minutes of the first half and threw interceptions on both of them. So they came out in the second half. Singletary owns it, that drive, Josh it hits every throw, 
and suddenly the Bills are in the end zone, and then they're in the end zone on their next drive. So all in all, uh, not really too much more to talk about with this game from my perspective. I think the uh, Scott said the line acquitted themselves fairly well. I would say fairly well is the right assessment there. And, you know, they did what they had to do this game. They played better on in all three facets of the game. They're going to need that going forward. I think this is probably, thank you, Paul, the the best performance by the line without Spencer Brown, right? Yes. Like, like this was like at least they were able to do something because the other two games they did nothing. And so to do something is better. And and hopefully, as we'll get to with injuries, that will be the end of that. This is, as Paul notes, this is the first win over New Orleans since 1998. And I believe you said you have to go back even further if you want to find a win at home against New Orleans. I think, let's see. I, no, I think the 98 win was in New Orleans. This was the great uh, Rob John, where Rob Johnson played probably his best game as a Bill, yeah. with the argument being the Colts game the next year. So, yeah, and this was the, the I, I love that game because it's the only game uh, of his career where Pooh Bear Williams had any carries for the Bills. And Sal Capaccio shared the, shared the box score of that game with P.B. Williams on there. I'm like, uh, good to see that name in a box score. Well, uh, losing streak much. snap down to two, down to a max of two game losing streaks against any NFL teams. Well, there you go. That's pretty good. That's pretty, pretty good. Um, I have nothing else really to add to this game other than, uh, you know, I was happy that they they won. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it was nice to sort of to sort of get back in the win column. I think certainly when you look at the um the way the standings are situated, it's an important win, even though it's an out-of-conference win. Um, and I think that we'll kind of, kind of got to go go from here. So let's let's get to three stars because we got to get through that to get to some injury stuff. We got a lot to talk about, and we got um, you know a big New England game to preview. So three star me. Uh, yes, we'll just grunt through these three stars. <laughs> we'll move on with our lives. No, I'm sorry. I just want to get to them. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I know. I know. I know. I know. Uh, all right. Honorable mentions, a bunch of players. Nobody cares, right? Um, <laughs> this is a very passive-aggressive three-star. I can tell. I'm so sorry that I have something to do at three, Scott. Okay. <laughs> Ain't that a passive-aggressive response? No. Longest-running podcast, everyone. Yeah. Trying to, trying Not to much longer, mature. apparently. <laughs> oh, well done, Frank. Uh, all right. Third star. We'll just get into it. No Saints make the third stars, the three stars, because screw the Saints. They were terrible in this game. All their good players were injured. All right. Uh, third star goes to uh, Josh. I was going to give it to Josh Allen, but I'm going to move him up. It's going to go to, uh, I'm just dragging this out now, Dawson Knox, third star, okay. three catches, 32 yards, but two touchdowns, which is a good day at the office, right? Uh, yeah. Obviously, he had the third one, which got wiped off which would have been a huge bummer. I mean, which would have been super awesome if he got three touchdowns because that, right. that would have been very cool. That would have been Moss-esque. <laughs> yeah, first star material there for Dawson if he gets third, but it wiped out because of the penalty. Otherwise, um, good to have him back in the offense as well because I think that was also some of the problems that we had, yes. um, certainly against Jacksonville, was both him and Beasley being banged up and out of that game. The, the wide receiver core is still a little thin against that, that cover two shell. Tight end is obviously a, a cover two killer. So good to see him in there. Uh, we will go second star, second star Josh Allen. All right. We're going to get to the first star in a second. It may surprise you. But Josh Allen, 23-28, 260 yards, 
obviously four touchdowns. Um, the two interceptions, like we talked about, you know, one kind of a throwaway, one kind of not a not a great decision, but you know, in an otherwise kind of sterling performance. Um, that kind of sent him back. Just just the the one the one flaw. Um, also had the eight carries for 43 yards. Again, very good game for Josh. Um, nice to see him back on the track. First star, Ed Oliver, who yeah. I am I am trying to pump up with this so that he gets fired up and plays like a beast the rest of the season. Because he played really well. He had a big deflection, had two QB hits and the, the half sack, four more tackles. Um, when he is, it's so fun with him because it's like, I don't think it's motivation because I don't think he's playing. I don't think he seems like a guy who's taking plays off or, or you know, taking games off or anything like that. It, I, it, I don't know if it's a matchup thing or, or whatever, but I mean, some of it might be the Saints weren't, weren't the line wasn't quite good enough for them. But when he's on and and being a wrecker in the middle, it makes the rest of the defense a lot easier because then the Greg Rousseau's of the world and the, and the Epinesas and the Addisons and the um, the Jerry Hughes's they don't have to do as much because the pressure's coming up the middle and so that throws off the timing of the offense. But without him, he's really the the pass rusher at this point. Harrison Phillips isn't doing that. Star, as good as he is, is usually not doing that. Um, and certainly in any of the new guys, you can't really expect to do that with with Zimmer out at this point. So it has to be Oliver providing that pass rush over the middle. So when he gets it, it's good. Um, first star for Ed. Those are your three stars. Very good. I, th- I feel like we can't leave the game without uh, mentioning, I believe Josh Allen committed his first turnover ever in the red oh, zone. Oh, yep. He did that interception. So that's the end of that. Well, I mean, it, it's still a pretty good record, to, you know, how many ever possessions and one turnover. But um, he had a hell of a run going there for a while. Uh, so let's get to the injury updates. Uh, we are recording on Wednesday, so there is a practice today. We might get more information after the podcast is over. But as of now, John Feliciano has returned to practice. He's available Sunday. Starla Tulele and Spencer Brown no longer have COVID and no longer can transmit it to others. So they are welcomed back to practice and are available on Sunday. Tommy Doyle has been sent to the COVID list. Um, likely as a person who has contracted it, not necessarily a close contact. Jake Fromm no longer plays with the Buffalo Bills. He signs with the New York Jets. Uh, he was on the Giants, practice. actually, but it's it's irrelevant. Yes, the, the Giants, Giants, Jets Giants are, excuse me, are, right. They're the same organization. NYG, not NYJ. Um, he was from Georgia, and we had one follower on Twitter who is very adamant about liking Jake Fromm, so... Perhaps he's now a Giants fan. Perhaps he still likes the Bills. I have no idea. Um, and then I am told that a cornerback got injured. I am not sure who this is, but uh, tree tree divus tree divus. Yeah, witty. Yeah, Mr. Witty. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, it is Factor Davis White, uh, who is gone for the year with an ACL injury. Um, he's done. He's out. Uh, it's a big blow. Obviously. You know the the uh, a cornerstone of the defense. I think it's fair to say. I don't know if he's the best, probably the best pure player on the defense, kind of. But I don't know that. Uh, yeah, he's, the, the only he, all pro on the defense. We want yes, to yes. Uh, I don't know if it's fair to say like he's the whole defense the way that a guy is like could be like the most important player in that way because I think it is actually a pretty evenly spread defense, but. Certainly a blow. Uh, He's a lockdown type corner. He is uh, no longer available. He will be replaced by Dane Jackson, who I have heard 
goodish things about, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he comes in at time to time. We can talk about that in a minute. Uh, but let's start with Paul. Paul, give us your thoughts on the overall picture of health for the Bills and um, kind of, you know, Trey White, whatever you want to talk about here. Yeah, we'll start with the big loss of of Trey, obviously. As I mentioned, the only first team all pro uh, on the Bills defense. This this is going to hurt. He, he, I think, had one of the best passer ratings against of any cornerback this year, hadn't allowed any touchdowns. You don't get much better than Trey White. The The Bills are, they were very high on Dane Jackson. Brandon Beaton mentioned him a year ago or so as a secret superstar type of guy when he was asked directly, saying he was a guy who could emerge. He was inconsistent in training camp and lost out to Levi Wallace. I think that also says a lot about Levi Wallace's development, that I'm not mm-hmm. uh, bitching and moaning about Levi Wallace this year as much as I've been in previous years. So I think he stepped up. This is where the Bills' zone defense is somewhat helpful. You're not lining up Trey and man-to-man against the opposing team's best receiver all game. I think this is going to hurt against Tampa Bay. I'm not going to lie there with the weapons Tampa Bay has on offense, but that's a future mm-hmm. concern. I don't think it's going to necessarily kill them against the Patriots too much, but I do feel really bad for for Trey because he's been such a great team player and he's not going to be part of you know, this run, uh, this this rivalry battle to the division title. On the other on the other injury front uh, and COVID front issues, it's going to be great to have Feliciano and Brown back. Not that they are superstar players, but they are market upgrades on the offensive line. Brown's addition helps the two spots, as we mentioned before, both spots on the right side of the line improve with him returning. I and then of course Feliciano is an improvement over Ike Butker, who was the one who cost us Knox that third touchdown when he, you know, meandered downfield a little too early. And then on the next play it was the interception. So I and as far as uh Starla Tulele goes, that is going to help New England does like to I want to say they lean on their running game because the stats don't necessarily bear out that they are a run heavy team, but they are dependent on the running game more than the Bills are and running up the middle. And obviously to have him back in the lineup and not be looking at, you know, Vernon Butler and Brandon Bryan and the other practice squad guy trying to fill in with Harrison Phillips in there is is definitely a, a plus. So these are all, uh, <laughs> they're mainly positive developments with the exception of the giant injury that is going to hurt for the rest of the year. Um, so I think I am I am a little more concerned. I think. I mean, I think obviously this is one of the most talented teams in the league. So in some ways, the injuries, um, you know, when you get an injury of, you know, a, a single player like Trey, you know, in, in some ways we're better able to weather that than other teams. But um, that doesn't mean it doesn't hurt a lot. I think to me, the, the when this team's playing its best, everyone's healthy. We can win all types of games, right? We can win shootouts and we can win defensive struggles. And we've done both of those you know we we needed to do both both of those ways in the playoffs last year to beat baltimore we needed a we needed a grinded out game to beat indianapolis we needed to score more points um obviously we needed to score even more points in the Chiefs <laughs> game that that or or do a better job stopping them one of the two um but the theory but you know in this season we've been able to do both at times and it's been really you know, that's how you you have to be able to do both things in the playoffs because teams are going to teams like the Patriots first and foremost are the teams that take away what you do best and try and make you win their way of playing football. Um, and without Trey, you know, the defense is thinner. I mean, we still have a great pair of safeties. 
Edmonds and Milano, as long as they're both healthy, are are two really good linebackers. But beyond that, it, excellent so that, nickel corner. We do need to bring up Tehran. Yeah, yeah. Tehran is a great mm-hmm. nickel corner. Agreed. Um, and he obviously plays a ton. But after that, the defensive line continues to underperform. I mean, I think we're there, right? I mean, it's except yeah, for Ed. Yes, Ed. Ed is inconsistent. Right. Ed, say, that's you know, true. Yeah. Right. Well, Rousseau doesn't it doesn't show up every week. Nobody is showing up every week on the line. But I think no, they've all taken no turns. Guy, they've all done, done decent jobs, but there's no guy where you're like, that's the guy we need to stop. That's the mm-hmm. guy that we got to shift the protection to deal with. And that is a real thing in the NFL, because otherwise you just kind of you can run your offense without having to worry about, well, we got to take care of T.J. Watt or, or Melvin Ingram or whoever it is. Or Josh. So Allen. I am worried. <laughs> I am worried. Yeah. Jaguars, um, I'm Josh worried. Allen, sorry. Yes. I'm worried about that the Bills can't do that as much anymore. So to me, obviously, the good news story is with Brown coming back and Feliciano coming back and Brita now in getting more worked into the run game, having more of a package for him. Hopefully that gives us a more complete offense to where we can now balance out um, in terms of like the offense can maybe perform higher. But that's the thing is we are still going to be more of a one handed team a little bit in terms of having to score the points and outscore people. And now Frank has no problem with that, but obviously like there are games where that doesn't work as well and you got to be able to win ugly too. And I'm, I'm more concerned about our ability to do that. Going I think I, th- yes, yes. And I think the, I think the problem about winning ugly for the bills is, is still less about Tredavious white and more about the run game in the short pass game. Right. So I, I think that like, the, the, in my answer might be, you know, there shouldn't be one corner that determines the the margin of error for any of these football games coming up. I mean, the good news is I think the Buccaneers are the best of the group. You're getting a, a gift maybe with the Panthers really not being able like there's no sudden Cam Newton resurgence. Thank thank God, thank goodness it feels like. So between them and the Falcons and the Jets, you know, you have those teams that I don't know that it should matter. And then as Paul Breed points out, like I. You, there's no receiver on the Patriots that should be, you know, exploiting the backup cornerback, particularly a backup cornerback who, by many accounts, not just Brandon Beans, but, you know, independent media sort of like Dane Jack- Jackson's performance. And they say that, you know, he happens to be a good corner that could probably start on other teams. He just happens to be in one of the best secondaries in in, in the league. So, you know, I'm, I'm not about to tell you he's replacing at that level, but I'm thinking the drop-off won't be as big um, as you think, because again, the ball is only going to that part of the field every so often. He's not the quarterback or a def- or an offensive lineman where on every play you have to be, you know, fully, you know, committed and doing everything exactly right. You're going to be able to miss with the you know you're going to be able to afford some downplay at that position because the ball is simply just not there all the time now maybe the buccaneers will do that maybe bill belichick will try and do that but i'm not sure that mac jones has the has the horses to run as it as it were um so we're we're going to find out pretty quick i do wish we had you know once again i wish we won that jacksonville game because it would be a completely different story right now if they did you'd be sitting even prettier but You'd be able to weather that type of loss even more. But I think on the whole, it's a net positive. It's a gain in the right places. Um, it's certainly a blow. You can't downplay uh, losing an All-Pro. But I do think that, thankfully, it's coming you know, with limited games left. And 
you know, when you get to the playoffs, you're you're going to have to kind of throw the kitchen sink anyway at everything. So who knows? Maybe maybe they will start, you know, opening up the offense even more. Maybe maybe we will, in fact, try and win games 50 to 40. What does that even mean, though? How can we open it up anymore? We're running the ball like 10 times a game. Like, I, Seahawks I, 2020. That's how we open it up more. Don't even pretend you're going to run. Just 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 shoot past the town. I don't know, but sometimes they seem to be able to do more points than other teams. And I, 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 not that I think it's a choice to score less, but I think that they think that they're, you know, one of the things I liked about this game that Sean Payton did was Sean Payton recognized his talent level and was going for it on fourth down very early and a fake punt. Okay. And in like terrible field position because he knew there was no hanging with the bills that you were going to have to just do it. So what I'm saying, Scott, maybe Instead of punting on fourth and five when you're playing against Indiana and you think, well, and maybe going for field goals for the rest of the way, the you know, Sean McDermott will will have a subconscious thought that like, you know what? Fuck it. We need to try and get more points. And that's how you that's how you can open it up a bit more. It's not about running it less. It's about being a bit more daring with your play calling and trusting guys like Diggs, et cetera, to actually make some catches. And, you know, I, I like the play call. Uh, digs get open. That that's that's fun. That is a good thing to do. So I don't know. We'll have to see. I'm just saying that if you feel thinner on one end, you make up the way you can, and then maybe you have play to play riskier. Some- you play riskier on the other end. Yes, maybe. <laughs> Makes sense. Good logic. Yeah. Well, just maybe what they should do is just hide and hope that nobody ever scores. You know, they can just control. Maybe they can try and have one. 19 minute drive in the first half (laughs) and the other team just won't get to score very often. And no, if you don't want them, if you don't, if you're worried about the offense versus the defense in that position, don't give the ball to the offense. Keep it for as long as you can score as much as you can. Okay. Uh, We can talk more about that when they inevitably lose to one of these teams and we can complain that they were too aggressive or not aggressive enough. Um, (laughs) All right, now it's time for well, let's let's pick up Scott's peer, spirits here um, and go to his favorite segment, of course, listener questions. <laughs> Did we have any? We have oh, two, both from yep. Stephen. All right, ask. Go ahead, give us Stephen's question. Sure. Uh, what are the differences between playing outside cornerback and nickel cornerback that make Teron Johnson not an obvious replacement for Trey White? I could answer this, but Scott or Frank, do you want to jump in on this? I don't know. Sal, Sal Capaccio said they're just different skill sets completely. And so that's not what you do. I mean, I think for some cornerbacks, that's 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 accurate. I mean, I think there have been other cornerbacks that can make the transition, have made the transitions. I know Bradley Roby was a very good cornerback, nickel cornerback, I think, for Denver for a number of years and then has gone on to be a, an outside corner later on in his career. And no one's really flipped out or, or you know done anything i mean aaron williams was a was a good corner was a decent corner and went on to be a better safety these their positions are not completely interchangeable i think it might be more about teron himself and in some level if you want to just say it's more important to have a really good corner than it this is kind of the offensive line problem right of like well we could just replace our right tackle with another right tackle or we could move someone who's maybe good at playing right tackle better than the current than the replacement, but then we'd also have to replace him on the right guard side because he's currently playing right guard. 
like there are complications to well now we have to fix the nickel corner position you could be weakening two yep. positions instead it's, of one. it's the cody ford daryl williams spencer brown conundrum only played out in the defensive backfield but somehow but somehow we did do this with the bills and the offensive line yes and it didn't it it has had mixed results so there's an argument both ways i think they just don't want to i don't know but paul probably has a, a better answer right i mean the 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 core facet of this is one inside corners are simply in most cases not going to have the elite speed because they're not going to be covering people down the middle of the field you do see those those patterns occasionally now where they do send you know four guys just straight up the field on deep routes but usually when that happens you've got a, a two safety look and you're not too worried about you know what's going to happen there outside corners also utilize the sideline as leverage a, a little bit more they tend to squeeze opposing receivers into the boundary slot corners they've got to rely really on play recognition and then their their quickness their their foot speed if you will to to handle that so as scott was alluding to you can put Tehran on the corner, uh, on the outside boundary. Maybe he plays well, but then who are you going to put in there? Cam Lewis or Saran Neal? They're not going to have the play recognition or the quickness that Tehran brings. So again, two problems to one one thing to try and fix problem, and you make two positions worse. Uh, and I think Tehran, while he's a good player, is simply not as big to be able to squeeze opposing receivers off of the field like you know Trey White some more you know, it's pretty physical on the outside there. So there's there's an argument to be made for it, for sure, uh, Scott alluded to. But overall, I think you you don't want to do that. All right. What was Stephen's other question? His other question, and I will answer this uh, definitively. And is it time to start talking about next year's draft? No, no. I say absolutely not. There was an article, I think, I can't remember which publication, but it was previewing it doing a bit of a bills draft preview this is not the season to be doing that we should be enjoying what we're watching out we should be enjoying 31 to 6 wins over the saints uh, beating teams we haven't beaten in 23 years and even with the frustrating moments that this season has brought realize that this is a hell of a lot better than pretty much everything we watched from 2000 to 2016 and they're about to play their biggest game against the new england patriots in possibly arguably 40 plus years so yeah, I don't think it's time to to start talking about the draft. Yes, there's holes that we need to discuss going forward, but we've got plenty of time to discuss those between February and the draft. The draft. Ugh. I almost want to ban Steven for asking about the draft. <laughs> but to be fair, he's he's asking a question that, like, I've I, seen articles out there recently. I'm like, why are people talking about this? Well, because they have to. Yeah. The draft industrial complex. It is. Because yeah. the people like you, Stephen, who are reading them. As we, were warned, as we were warned by Eisenhower about the, the coming of the draft industrial complex. Okay. Um, Bill's, maybe, uh, what are we doing? This day in Bill's headline. Thank you yes. for that. This day in Bill's headlines. Okay, wow. We're, we're doing, I'm not going to say it. Never mind. <laughs> we're doing well on time. Uh, yes. But we're going to go to this day in Bill's headlines, which is fun. And then we're going to spend a, you know, I think we'll end up spending a decent amount of time on the, the game this week because, you know, unlike the draft, it's important right now. Right. <laughs> so I won't take 33 Sorry. minutes on this, this day in Bill's headlines. Please we'll try get not right to. to it. Yes. <laughs> All right. December 1, blank, prevents Bills from having Broncos QB situation. Santa. From, uh, Santa, always a great December answer, but not correct. Okay. Uh, from day one to where he's at now, he's made some improvements, said Dable. It's always hard to judge until you're out there dodging bullets but he's doing the best he can. We're doing the best we can. So he'll be ready to go when we need him. 
now the context for this is this was he was asked uh, Dable was asked about this the week after the Broncos had to play the Saints with no quarterbacks due to a COVID-19 outbreak in their QB room oh. that they had not adequately prepared for. So is this so this means it would be somebody who was available. I mean, it could be. Could be Josh right. Allen. If you remember, yeah, if you remember last year, the Bills had three QBs in the QB room and another one who was dialed in remotely every week. On the off chance there was an outbreak in the QB room, the Bills would I have think this person. I think it's Jake Fromm who was you, you out would be in correct. an island. Yes. It is Jake Fromm. It's kind of funny. It says he'll be ready to go when we need him. And now as of yesterday, mm-hmm. they won't And now he's him. gone. Right. <laughs> and I did these headlines on, uh, I think I researched them Monday nights. So this was before Fromm was even gone. There you go. All right. 2018 should be easy, but it's not going to be. So here we go. <laughs> Bills guard blank ruled out for Sunday against the Dolphins. Blank has officially been ruled out of this weekend's game against the Miami Dolphins with an oblique injury. Jeremiah Searles could very well get the start at right guard in his place. This was a player who was drafted by the Bills in the third round in 2015 out of Louisville. This was his fourth and final season with the team before spending a year and sensing the last two with Carolina. Hmm. He started every NFL game in which he's appeared. That includes 47 starts in Buffalo, and he started all seven games in which he's played for the Panthers this season. Uh, he has battled injury a bit this season. He had a third round pick in 2015 from Louisville. Yes. Um, I don't know. Oh, this is bad. Yeah, it's, I, not, it's not incognito. He would have been at the other side. Yep. Wood Wood is the center. Yep. Um, it's not Levitra. This is too early. Right. Sure. You had you had Jordan Mills next to the sky on uh, at, at the right tackle spot, and then over on left tackle you had Cordy Glenn at this time, I believe. Or actually, no, Dion would have taken over at this point. Dion Dawkins. I was going to say Glenn fits the Bengals because we traded in there, but he's still there. Yeah. I don't know. All uh, right. Uh, it's it's got to be Wyatt. No, that's we did him last week. He's Virginia Tech. Um, <laughs> he's not the Browns. Um, hey, hey, Frank, say, who's, like, your favorite, something. who's your favorite non-Hashik Sabres goalie? Oh, Ryan Miller. Oh, there, Miller. Very good. Exactly. John, Mil- John yeah. Miller. Good old John Miller. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you're right, Paul. Should have got it. Yeah, I, he's, he's, the guards have stumped us in the past. Mm. All right. Uh, 2016, <laughs> Bill signed former quarterback blank. To play tight end. Oh um, no, I can do this one. It's the Ohio State guy. It's uh, it's a, uh, it's a uh, Terrell it's Pryor Senior. Yeah. No, but good, good, good. He Terrell played wide Pryor receiver. Junior. No, it wasn't of Terrell Pryor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was. It was. Uh, gosh, there have been so many of those Ohio State quarterbacks, and it's, it's not, not Ohio State. Jones. Okay, yeah, yeah ignore that. Oh, wait. So, that was Frank's. It's, it's Virginia Tech. If we want to go. College. Oh, it's Logan Thomas. It's Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas. Who uh, last season would have had what would have been the best season by a tight end in Bills history uh, if only he still played for the Bills. All right. Um, 2010. So we're going back 11 years now. Bills blank tweets his way to mass attention. Uh, he cares. He wants to do well. Gailey said he wants to help himself and he wants to help the team from that perspective. I don't worry about him coming back and being a really good player. Everybody has to run through the gamut of emotions dealing with success and failure. He'll deal with it and it'll come out strong. He's a good man. Stevie. Stevie. Very good. 
This was the tweets he sent about uh, the God issues after. Oh, yeah. Rock Why, Dog. God? Yep. Yeah. How are you going to do me like that or whatever? Yep. That was, wow, good memory. I think that was, yeah. that's pretty close to what he said. Yeah. All right. 2009. Veteran Blank proving a valuable pickup. He's done a great job, especially in Sunday's game, said cornerback Terrence McGee. He really challenged the receivers, got in their face. He got his hands on the ball a lot. What was the year? 2009. Nate Clement? No, 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 he would have been gone by now. One of the biggest moments I'll remember for him. He was good at pick sixes, perhaps none more memorably than the huge comeback win against the Patriots in 2011. Dre and Florence. That's what did it for Frank. All right. 2006. Blank, comma, Tomlinson, renew friendly rivalry. We had a cool relationship in college, but it was competitive at the same time, Blank said. He was the best on our offense, and I was the best on defense. So we were always trying to see who was number one. Sean Merriman? No, no. no they, these were, were, they played together professionally, not at college. Right. Yes. These are two gentlemen were drafted out of uh, Texas Christian University in 2001. Tomlinson in the first round by the Chargers is the fifth overall pick, and this guy in the second round by the Bills with the 46th overall pick. Aaron Schobel. Aaron Schobel. Nicely done. Except for John Miller, we're flowing along, and you're going to get this one. Uh, perhaps back when we used to do the segment this day in Bill's history, this was my most legendary uh, one. 2002, gunman shoot, kill former Bill's linebacker blank. Blank, a former linebacker for the Buffalo Bills, was shot to death by Roberts Friday night during a party in his apartment. He tried to fight off at least two assailants before being shot several times. In 1997, his final year as a linebacker for the Bills, he earned $276,300. He became a starter at the end of his brief career, and in his final game, he made 20 solo tackles and seemed to be coming into his own, but during practice, he suffered nerve damage in his left knee, cutting short his career. I remember this one. Oh, man. I remember the death and the dying, but I don't remember who it was. Um, Mookie Williams. (laughs) It was not not Mookie. I'll read one more quote here and then we'll move along. Chris Spielman remembers the day Blank got hurt in practice. Spielman had been injured a few days before in the game at Denver. He was in the Bills doctor's office digesting the news that a serious neck injury might end his career. It was strange, Spielman said by phone from Columbus. The doctor saying, Chris, you may be done. And all of a sudden they wheel in our other starting linebacker with a horrible knee injury. I remember helping him up on the table and trying to console him while consoling myself. Neither played another regular season game in the NFL. He was a wrestler, one of the best wrestlers out of the state of New Jersey all time, which means, of course, um, Sean McDermott would know him. Yes, right. I think you better just spill the it beans here. It is the great Damian Covington. Damian Covington. All right. Um, 1998, no quiz here, but important to note, uh, CBS News headline, Bills to Remain in Buffalo. New York Governor Georgie Pataki, Buffalo Bills owner Ralph Wilson, and Erie County Executive Dennis Gorski today announced an agreement on a 15-year lease to keep the Bills at Rich Stadium in Buffalo. We've been talking about stadiums for a lot of years, guys. All right. Mm-hmm. 1996. The headline is, uh, this is more for humor, catching on to the net. Marv Levy may hold a graduate degree from Harvard, but when it comes to computers, the Buffalo Bills coach could learn a thing or two from some of his players. I wouldn't know what button to push to turn it on. I mean it, Levy said. Several Bills are more computer functional than their coach. 
blank and blank, for example, have more in common than the fact that both are defensive linemen with lockers near each other in the team room. They're among a growing number of Buffalo players who like to surf the internet. I had my first computer in 1984 when I was with Dallas, Blank said. I was one of the first to have an IBM PS2. I think a PS2 was something different then. Yes. But five upgrades later, Blank rides the web with his Dell Dimensions Pentium 200. He has turned his old unit over to his children. Pentium 200. God. Uh, okay, so defensive linemen next to each other. Yep, 1996. Actually, I don't think they were next Barney, to each other. Rubble, and Fred Flintstone. How about, how about Jeff Wright and, yes. I don't know, Bruce Smith. It's not Bruce Smith, but... It is not. Uh, it is another guy on the Wall of Fame who is a defensive end, though you can question whether he deserves to be on the Wall of Fame. Um, Good player. I don't mean that as an affront to him, but Wall o, of Fame... Well, O.J. Simpson is the only... <laughs> it's all right. So that, that bill Bryce is... Pop? Uh, no, good guess, no, that's but too... he was a linebacker, I think, yeah. at that point. Although they were tough to differentiate. All right, so the tough one that you would not get, the Dallas player, Jim Jeffcoat. Jim Jeffcoat, okay. Yep. And then He's the one on the wall? No, he's not the one on the wall. The one, you, okay. you, the one I'm going to tell you, which you're going to kick yourselves um, for not getting, is Phil Hansen. Phil Hansen. Oh, I, I needed to keep going down the line. I don't know why I was dropping Phil Hansen. Yep. Great him quote later, from, but he was there. Yeah, better. Yeah, he came in ninety. I think Hanson was the second, the third Super Bowl. I think was Hanson's first season with the Bills. Uh, Jeff Coe with a great quote. For example, I didn't know Bruce Smith was leading the league in quarterback knockdowns until I found it on some statistics I saw on the internet last week. Jeff Coe said. They're talking about ESPN Sports Zone being this great new site. All right, last headline, guys. And uh, so this one, I have this bookmarked on my computer, which I'll quickly open. Um, costly turnovers haunt bills and lead to a 28-24 defeat by Colts. This is a New York Times story from 41 years ago. In beating the Bills 28-24 yesterday in Baltimore, the Colts had some unexpected assistance. The Buffalo special teams committed five turnovers. Bills ball carriers lost three fumbles. And Nick Mike Meyer missed one field goal attempt and saw another one blocked. Um, the Bills started building a 14-0 lead and a two-yard run by Blank and a 12-yard pass from Joe Ferguson to Ron Jesse. But Blank fumbled a punt at the end of Buffalo at, at the Buffalo 18-yard line, leading to a six-yard touchdown run by someone named Landry. So this is 1980? 1980 running back. I looked okay, at the Bills' so running is... backs in 1980, and they were all good. Like, they're all guys who had 1,000-yard seasons for the well, team at some point. Joe Cribs is there in 1980. Oh, you didn't even need – that was it, yeah. Really? Okay, yeah. He's, like, the good one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was. I mean, Greg Bell was on that team. Greg he had 1,000-yard seasons. Yeah. Terry Miller was on that team. He'd come off 1,000-yard season. Curtis Brown led the Bills in rushing, I think, in 78 or 79 after OJ left. So, yeah. wow. The 1980s, no challenge for Frank. And that was this day in Bills' headlines for December 1st. I'll be honest, I probably would have struggled with Greg Bell because Joe Cribbs, for some reason, sticks in my head. I just sort of see his football card differently than everybody else's. I think he's about the third or fourth leading rusher in team history, Joe Cribbs. We should look yeah. Okay, so thank you once again, Paul, for the excellent Bye, segment. Um, the Bills are three and a half point favorites over New England. The last time the Buffalo Bills won on Monday night, period. 
19... Monday Night at Home, at least. Monday Night at Home, excuse me. September 26th, 1994, uh, 27-20. They would lose later uh, on the road, it looks like, Pittsburgh, November 14th, 1994. Um, so it's been a while. Um, we all got together for... The Dallas football, you know, I think that's a legendary game, given how it the, the collapse <laughs> happened. Um, that was that was a fucking nightmare of a football game. But the Bills are at home. <laughs> It'll look good. People, you know, it, there could be gusts of crazy wind. Odd Shark says two and a half points. Sorry, two and a half point favorites. Okay. I've seen three. Um, they also say that they're they're saying New England will win cover and the total will go over. I will let you know that they said that about the Saints last week. So I don't really trust their their computer very much but they they're two and a half points favorites um the in some ways guys the patriots do exactly what frustrates the bills they move the ball uh slowly they have a decent defense that has an excellent defensive end that can create pressure without uh needing a lot of help um and they probably are going to be able to execute a cover two shell on the other side of things the Bills are probably easily the more dynamic team, and they will have more of their players offensively certainly available than otherwise. And, you know, New England kind of they're you know, Mac Jones has not I don't know. I don't want to say he can't do it, but I'm pretty sure he hasn't completed a pass through the air over 15 yards. There was some stat about the ball traveling 15 yards in completions, either in a recent game or for the season. Basically, he is an underneath completer. He's a game manager in a good way. Um, but there's been no evidence that the Patriots can be dynamic. But what they can do um, is not make mistakes and wait for you to make a mistake. And there's a lot of pressure on this game because it is for first overall in the AFC East. As we alluded to earlier in the podcast, uh, basically every team has three or four losses at the top of the AFC. Um you know, you're talking Bills and Patriots with four losses. Chiefs have four losses. The Chargers have five losses. The Ravens and Bengals have uh, the Ravens have three losses. The Bengals have four losses. Titans and Colts have four losses and six losses, respectively. But basically, most teams are in this three to four loss area um, with a couple of people right at, you know, five. And the Colts who have six losses, but they've beaten some of the right teams to kind of still be into this conversation. Um here we are, like the difference between uh, second overall and sixth overall currently is a Jaguars win or beating the Colts. Um, you know, they're right there. The Bills definitely, if they win out, there's a good chance they finish for the bye week. Um, I did a simulation I told Paul about where they brought four and two and split with the Patriots and didn't even make the playoffs. Um, in most scenarios, they do make the playoffs and win the East if they split with the Patriots. Um they can they can make the playoffs and lose both games to the Patriots. Um, there's there's a lot of things going on, but if you want home field advantage, if you want to host a playoff game, if you you know want to win the East, it starts tonight or start tonight. It starts on Monday night um, against New England at home. A highly 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 important, probably the biggest game in 20 years. I don't a, a yeah. biggest regular season game in 20 years. Um, so let's go to Scott first, Scott. Give us your thoughts. I, I've, I've done some detail this week. It's a big game. Um, why don't you let us know what you're thinking? Sure. Uh, I mean, yeah, it, it's uh, as Frank said, it's a big game. Um, I do. I, I think the Bills are going to win. I'll cut to the chase. I think the Bills are going to win. I think uh, it's at home. I think we're out of the crowd on our side. Obviously a very jazzed up crowd. Um, I think 
the Pats, as good as they have been playing, I do not think that they are capable. I do not think that they're so good that they are going into the playoffs kind of um, on an unbeaten streak like this. I think we will get one of them. I think this will be this will be one. Um, I think how it's going to happen is the Pats defense is going to crack a little bit. I think the the defense has been the thing that's that's kind of done the job for the Pats the last couple of weeks. Um, obviously, you know, had 36 points scored uh, against Tennessee and 45 against Cleveland. But uh, both of those teams are uh, Cleveland certainly having defensive troubles. But really, it's the defense giving up 13 points, zero points, seven points and six points the last four weeks. Um, I think the Bills have to, as, you know, Frank would say, have to score some points, have to be a little aggressive and try and get try and get touchdowns, especially in the red zone. I think that's going to be a critical thing. But I think we can do that. I think we have a good not, uh, matchup with Knox uh, on on the Patriots. Um, I think obviously I think we need to keep the run game involved. I think we will we will be able to do that. I am a I'm a little worried about Belichick's kind of game management philosophy on offense. I still think the Pats are gonna the Pats will take what can get, and the Bills are not in a position to kind of get pressure just by rushing four. So they're gonna have to blitz. So that means there are gonna be guys in single coverage um, or or you know kind of soft zones um, to keep things in front, and that'll mean the Patriots still will be able to move the ball. Um, I like. The Bills in a tight one, I will say 28-24. All right. That is that is good. Yeah, this is gonna be uh, you know, I, I think and and Frank alluded to this as well. If you lose this game at home, you are largely uh, you know, kicking aside any chance of winning the division and getting a home playoff game, the odds just become very, very difficult. And then you have to go on the road to Tampa Bay and that that does not help the next week. So this is a, a huge, an enormous game. I think Scott's defensive assessment is right. They remind me a lot of the the Bills. The front four is fine. They're either worse front fours than the, the, the Pats have. The linebacker core, Judon, I mean, he's earned his 54 million or whatever he's He's he signed for in the offseason. Hightower and Van Noy are maybe not the players they were a few years back, but they are not bad linebackers. You know, that makes it, it difficult. I think their secondary is not a, their secondary is not on the level of Buffalo. Yes, they don't have Stephon Gilmore anymore, but the, the Bills don't have Trey White anymore. So that is they're fairly even matchups. I think the Bills are going to be able to exploit them a, a little bit. I don't think this is going to be like the the Colts game in that regard. I think Belichick will have an excellent scheme. I think he will make it very difficult for the Bills to, you know, hit the passes they want to. But I think Dable is aware of that. Dable used to work for Belichick and can do a good job of countering with that. And I think he can do a good job because I think the Bills offensive talent does exceed the Patriots defensive talent as well as the Patriots defense has looked via some of the metrics this year. And, and they've done a great job generating turnovers which, let's face it, it's easy to say in any NFL game, turnovers are going to be the key. They will especially be the key in this game. The Bills lost a turnover battle in New Orleans. They cannot do that against the, the Patriots and win. I just don't see that scenario unfolding. I think, you know, Scott talked about the the offensive battles. I think, you know, to a degree, they, they came in with Cam Newton in Buffalo in the first game last year and almost won had Newton not fumbled it away uh, in, in the final minutes of that game, final minute of that game. So, so that was huge. And yeah, I think they'll have a good plan. I, they've got two tight ends and Henry and Smith who are well-regarded, but maybe haven't performed exactly up to the standards the Patriots were hoping for when they signed them. This receiver core does not scare me. You know, Harris and Myers and Aguilar are all 
fine. But there's not anyone in the league who wouldn't take uh, the the Diggs, Sanders, Beasley, Davis uh, quad group over them. Offensive line is good. Uh, so, you know, that'll be a challenge. But I think the Bills will be ready for this. I, unlike Scott, I buried the lead. I think the Bills are going to win as well. I think very similarly in terms of uh, how this game is going to progress. I think that I'll give the Patriots defense some credit. And I'll say this is a as close as can be 24-23 Buffalo win. Yikes. So we're staying up all night. Okay. So I, I'm not going <laughs> to bed early Monday night. Okay. Scott's getting uh, up early for, for, you know, to watch this one. Yes, early to watch it. I apologize as the construction, if you can hear it, oh, no, is directly... No. Oh, you can't. Okay, your this is good. Then the mic- your, your, yeah, your the microphone is great. doing a Definitely great job not. of there is a person who is literally drilling things into the side of my house right now underneath me. And if you can't hear that, that's amazing. Um, the Bills are, are um, I think they match. I think both of these teams have good matchups against the other team. But I do think I like the Bills matchups against New England better. I do. I think that, you know. The Bills are kind of in the better quarterback position. I think they're going to be able to get the ball to, to Stephon. I mean, I think that's the matchup, right? Stephon Diggs and Emmanuel Sanders and and Dawson Knox, those three guys. And it might start with Dawson Knox and work its way out to Diggs. But, you know, Diggs absolutely burned them uh, on a Sunday night game last year. And I, I I wouldn't mind if he did it again this year, you know. So I'm, I think that's where the points are going to come from. I don't think the Patriots are built to sort of score a lot quickly. They're they're equipped to score off of turnovers they're equipped to score um i'm not saying they can't i'm just saying i don't see them as hey get the ball down the field in a hurry we've got to play catch up which is why i would love it if the bills you know took the ball first and put them in a hole directly um that kind of thing is going to help i think it's going to change the the chemistry of the game and i'm sort of excited to see it because i think the bills can definitely beat the patriots i think the patriots have been have been um playing some um good football. I just am, I don't think they're ready for the Bills quite yet. So I'm hoping that that continues and we will see if that, uh, you know, goes forward into the game against New England. But a good start here for the Bills would be to win this game and keep themselves, uh, first of all, back in the in the in the host a game category and then into the get back into that uh, bye week category as well. So if you would like a bye week, uh, you should tweet us MNY Bills or listen to this podcast because anybody who does that gets a free bye week. They can just take a week off. It's no big deal. Um, we appreciate your listening. Thank you so much for this. I'm going to go ahead and let everybody go because I have to go. Uh, so thank you so much. Uh, we hopefully will be talking to you next week about a Bills victory on Monday night. Um, until then, my name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. Good night, everybody.